Blog Talk Radio. All right, fans, here we go. Four two-minute rounds of boxing scheduled. Women in the ring. Good evening, fight fans, to the two-minute rounds, your hooks and jabs and hooks look at female boxing. This is episode number 128. My name is Felipe Leon. We're here back. We haven't been here in about a month, but we are back to talk about all about female boxing. Joining me, as always, from the Bay Area of Northern California is Mrs. Lupi Gutierrez. Lupi, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. Thank you. And you sound perfect. And... From the Inland Empire, just east of his hometown of East L.A., Mr. David Avila. David, how you doing? Very good, very good. How's everybody else? Good, thank good. you, David. Uh, how actually east are you of East L.A.? Oh, about 45 miles. Oh, that's not that bad. No. Well, there you go. Well, we're here to talk about... Female boxing, we have been off air for about um, a month, but doesn't mean that we haven't been in contact, at least with each other. We actually got a chance to have dinner a couple weeks ago um, out here in L.A., and we'll talk about that a little bit later on our show, because we're actually here for a, a boxing event. But let's go back to the fight results and take a look at what happened in female boxing in the last month or so, starting off on May 7th. Saturday from Frank Segolin Lefebvre defending her WBO 122-pound title for the first time with the unanimous decision over Melania Soroche. Scores there were 97-93 three times. Whereas in Queens, New York, Marine Shea, Shea, Shea yeah, because it's like Shea Stadium, Marine Shea scored a unanimous decision over Calista Silgado in an eight-rounder at 122 pounds as well. Scores there were 79-73 two times and 77-75. And one thing... <clears throat> Obviously, I mean, there's probably some footage of the Marine Shave fight. <coughs> Excuse me. But one thing that we did touch on um, on our last show was that, I mean, Marine Shave, she's highly ranked in by all the organizations, but she never fights really anybody of note to get close to a, a world title. So, I mean, Calista Salgado is a known, you know, journey woman, somebody that put up a fight. She went eight rounds with Marine Shea, so I don't know if that's enough for her to get a world title opportunity, but um, we'll see what happens. I mean, if anything, I would like to see Marine Shea in an important fight. We haven't seen that in quite a while from her. Actually, let's go on BoxRec real quick and see when is the last time that she fought what we could deem an important fight. Um, Let's see here. She went pro in 2005, so she's been pro for 17 years, okay? Um, her last, um, what would you say? I mean, I'm going back. I mean, I don't see anything of note for a long, long time, David. What? I mean, what would you say just off the top of your head? Jeez, I can't remember. I know she was I mean, in that I, tournament in Mexico many years ago. I mean, back in 2009, she fought 
esquina mal partida for yeah. the vacant WBA super featherweight title. She got stopped in the tenth round, and um, and then back in 2010, she won the vacant NBF female featherweight title over Liliana Martinez, who had a losing record when they fought. Um, back I guess in, you know, in against uh, Julian Luna. Luna, yeah. So the, that was a super title, oh, uh, super battleweight fight, I think. The title. Yeah, it was back in 2015, and it was a and it was a split draw. Right. So good fight. Yeah, so here you go. Well, let's see. Maybe we could, you know, she could challenge uh, the new champion, Juliana Luna, Julian Luna for the title. We'll talk about Julian Luna a little bit later in the show because she did have a first defense of that title that she fought. Uh, she beat Mariana Juarez for. But moving on on hey, Friday, you know, May 13th. Yeah, Can go I ahead, just Lupe. add something? Yeah. You know mm-hmm. how she was the main sparring partner for Hillary Frank for Million Dollar Baby? That's what really threw her into the, into the spotlight and great things were expected of her. Mm-hmm. But like you said, we haven't seen it. I know it's a shame because I mean she's a pretty good fighter, and I mean she's forty-one southpaw. I mean she's not uh, a young young, but she's not old old. You know, for as far as female boxing, we've seen older, um, and there is some viable forty-one years old in Jackie Nava and Mariana Juarez, or close to that age. So hopefully we can. I mean, I just like to see her before she retires, one good fight. You know, the fact is that she hadn't fought before this fight in two years. Her last fight was in January of 2020. So um, so hopefully we get a little a bit more. Four, she's a young 41. You know, yeah. she's a young. And that's a, and, and David, and, and that's a sort of, oh, how, how, uh, two, how, what was that? I try to work, uh, work in um, metaphors, but something that doesn't work out. Um <laughs> Because she, because Lupi mentioned it, it's true. Like she doesn't fought a lot recently, so she's a young forty-one. I mean, just going back to 2015, she fought twice in 2015, none in 2016. She fought once in 17, none in 18, twice in 19, once in 20, and then her first fight in 2022. So, so either she doesn't have enough activity, or that could be a good thing because she's not really getting into any wars or anything like that. So mm-hmm. that's like the double-edged sword that I was going for. Um, but and her, she, her, somebody, she right? lost her first title. What was that, Felipe? I'm sorry. She has to fight somebody. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say she she lost her first world title in 2009. I mean, think about it. We're in 2022 now. Yeah. And she's asking for a title shot. Well, I, I haven't. I mean, I haven't seen her ask for a, ti- a title shot. I just hope. I wish she did, yeah. so that maybe they would give it to her, and then we could see her in a. Yeah, in after a good that fight. fight. Oh, after she did. This last fight, she mentioned it on her social media. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, then I think she's a viable. I mean, she's a viable opponent for Julianne Luna. If if you know they could come to an agreement as far as the purse. I mean, she has thirty wins, yeah. two losses, one draw. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think she's a pretty strong candidate to get that. Uh, World title opportunity. Um, yeah, rematch. But, yeah, rematch. Moving on. And yeah. then Mariana Juarez was a rematch as well. Moving on to Friday, May 13th from Glasgow, Scotland. Hannah Rankin scored a 10th round TKO over Alejandra Ayala in a 10 rounder uh, to defend her WBA world title. Time there was 115, unfortunately. And we all know the story by now. Alejandra Ayala suffered a brain hemorrhage. 
She was taken to uh, emergency there in Glasgow, and she was operating on. She was in a medically induced coma, but she's out now. Um, she is uh, walking. She is talking. She is uh, posting on social media. And about two weeks ago, I sat down with the director of the Tijuana Boxing Commission, former super welterweight champion Alejandro Terra Garcia, who is very close to Alejandra uh, Ayala. He actually trained her for this fight, but was not able to make the trip with her because he was suffering from a, not a serious medical issue, something that impeded him from, from traveling with her. So he has kept in contact with her since she uh, came out of the induced coma. And, um, you know, we've had, we've had, we, I don't believe we've had Alejandra on the show, but we've, yes. I've, I've, we've read, I've written about her. I interviewed her. I know her for a long, long time being that she's from Mexico city, but really, uh, fought out of Tijuana. And she says that in interviews and everything, she also, you know, she's, she's from Mexico city, but she, um, but she fights out of Tijuana. She lived in Chicago She's very, very educated, very smart woman, bilingual, fluent in both languages, and it, it surprised me, and it, and, it, and in a good way actually, um, when Alejandro, when Terra showed me the messages that they had made to each other um, through WhatsApp, because that's how they're communicating with each other um, on the platform, and. You know, her motor skills are a little off, obviously, and her writing skills, she's very educated. I'm, I'm sure that she spells and could put sentences way better than I can, but you could tell that she was a little off in her writing. And she, but the, but the good thing that I see is that she recognizes it. So she knows that she's making those mistakes, but it seems like the connection is not happening um, in the brain, from the brain to her hands and to the, and to the uh, iPhone. Um, but I think that that could be worked on, you know, that's going to come back to her with time and with practice. So that's a good thing because she actually could see, she recognizes that, that she's not spelling certain words correctly. She's not putting words in the right sequence in her phrases uh, or sentences correctly. So she sees it. She's just, has to work on fixing that, which I think it's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. So you, uh, uh, she, go ahead. We were sending each other voice messages leading up to this fight. She had sent me um, her a couple of promos, and we were talking right before that. And then that happened, and she sent me um, voice messages. And I'm telling you, she sounds very, very good. Very slow, but I couldn't believe it. I mean, oh, it's wow. a miracle. That's but awesome. like I told I her, I said, you, there were so many people praying for her. There sure it was in boxing circles, prayer circles. Mm-hmm. And, and the last one. sounds really good. Go ahead, David. Yeah, I had the same uh, melody uh, way back uh 2014. And I was, mm. I was in the hospital for a month. And, uh, yeah, it takes a while. It takes a while to come back. It well, there you go. And, and, and Alejandro did mention to me that 
they're working on getting her home, but she can't fly yet. So she's recuperating. Um, they, he told me about two weeks ago that they were probably about a month away from her coming home. So she, it might be two weeks from now, might be a little bit less, might be a little bit more, but she's recuperating. She's being taken care of. Her parents are with her. Um, and, um, and, um, and hopefully she gets um, home soon because, you know, she is from here. Well, she lives here in Tijuana. I don't know if they're going to take her to Mexico City. I don't know if she's going to come. I'm sure they're going to take her to Mexico City with her parents, and we'll see when we get yeah. to see her here in Tijuana. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving on to Saturday, May 14th in Dallas, Texas, there's a little bit of an upset there when Danielle Bennett scored a majority decision over Sharetta Metcalf in the Nate Rounder for the 122-pound NABF title. Scores there were 79-73, 78-74, and an even 76-76. And on Thursday, May 19th, from Tijuana, Mexico, Tania Enriquez, the number three ranked light flightweight by the WBC, scored a unanimous decision over veteran Nancy Franco in an eight-rounder at 112 pounds. Scores there were 80-72 two times and 79-73. Tania Enriquez is the younger sister of uh, Kenny Enriquez. Saturday, May 21st. From Dubai, Delphine Persoon scored a unanimous decision over LM Mekaled in a 10-rounder at 130 pounds for the vacant WBC Silver title 97-94, 97-93, and 96-94. Now, the story behind this was that a little bit prior to this, Mekaled had announced her retirement because she felt disrespected when they offered her the fight against WBC uh, world champion Alicia Baumgartner with the week's notice. So she said, you know what, I'm a teacher now. I found my new passion, blah, blah, blah. And then she comes back and takes this fight with Delphine Pursun. She ends up losing the United decision. What I didn't see, and I don't know if you did, Lupi, um, did you see her announce a retirement after the loss? No, not at all. It seems like she's back. Yeah, yeah. I think she's actually in the U.S. now. Really? I read something somewhere that she's in the U.S. Ellen Mechalet? Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see what is next for her, whereas Delphine Pursun is now the vacant WBC silver champion. Um, Not that that silver title means anything, quite quite frankly. um, But honestly, (laughs) yeah. But it gets her, you know, closer to the to the top of the ratings. And let's see where she's at on on that list. Give me one second here. Mm-hmm. Speaking of the WBC, they had a good event for the amateurs on Saturday. That was pretty mm. good. Lupi was there. Yeah, they really did. After me, yeah, that, that was there. Uh, Who won that good. elite fight? Um, Maya Hernandez, Perla Belzadua versus Maya Hernandez, and Maya won. Oh, Maya Hernandez, Maya won. Wow, it was a good fight. It was a good. Yeah, it was, was a good decision. It was a good. It was a right call. Um, I sent it to David. I don't know if I sent it to you, but I, I'll send it to you. Okay, great. Well. In the rankings, I mean, I don't know if this has been updated since that win, but Michaela Mayer's ranked, obviously, the champion for the WBC at 130 pounds is Alicia Baumgartner. But uh, the number one ranked fighter 
is Michaela Mayer, who's the WBO and IBF world champion. And we already know that Mayer and Baumgartner are going to face each other. Delphine Persoon is ranked number two as the WBC silver champion. And then Bomi Rashin from South Korea is the WBC international champion. And she is ranked number three. So sometimes I've seen... Um, Sometimes I've seen the WBC ranked the international champion higher than the silver champion, but, you know, it is what it is. But uh, <laughs> um, but Delphine Persoon is in the number two rank, so it puts her right up there. Um, so, I mean, I don't see why the winner of – I mean, Mayer and, and Baumgartner, whoever wins now is has three titles and needs to go after Hume Choi. But if Hume Choi, who we haven't heard a beep, uh, I mean, I maybe every couple of weeks, Lupi, and you could attest to this, maybe every once, every two weeks or three weeks, she might post a picture on, uh, like a modeling picture on Twitter. Um, yeah, she did her bikini shots recently. Yeah, but, <laughs> but as far as boxing or anything like that, we haven't seen her do anything, you know? And, and the thing is, I mean, I think that once Mayer and and Baumgartner fight, and now there's only one step away, people are gonna start asking. Cause I mean, I never see anybody ask Eddie Hearn about her or anything like that. So we'll see um, if more interest is is made for Huming Choi um, once that fight happens. And just uh, to let you guys know, Huming Choi in the WBC is ranked number eight. So um, hmm. there you go. But if by any by any reason human choice is not ready for the winner Mayer and Baumgartner, I don't see why Delphine Pursuit wouldn't be a great challenge uh, for that champion. I mean, I don't see anybody else being a better challenge for that champion besides human choice cool. uh, than Delphine mm-hmm. Pursuit. Um, moving on to the same day, Saturday, May 21st, from London on the Zone, Chantel Cameron scored a unanimous decision win over Argentinian Victoria Noelia Bustos in a 10-rounder at 140 pounds, defending her WBC and IBF title scores there were 193 times. And on the same card, Ellie Scottney scored a unanimous decision over another Argentinian, Maria Cecilia Roman. So I'm sure they got a good deal on those airplane tickets in a 10-rounder <laughs> at 122 pounds for the WBA Intercontinental title, 190, 99, 91 two times. And one thing that David and I were speaking to about earlier today uh, on a phone call is, you know, one thing that England does and one thing that obviously Matchroom Boxing and Eddie Hearn does is really promote female boxing. Here we have Chantel Cameron and we have Ellie Scottney, you know, I mean, these fights are not cheap. You know, you got to pay all the sanctions no. fees for WBC and IBF. You got to pay these flights. I mean, flights are not cheap right now. You got to pay, mm-hmm. and it's not just one. They're not coming by themselves. I mean, you might get two people and her, so that would be three. Maybe three people and her, and that would be four. Mm-hmm. And if you're lucky, the visas cost a lot. What's that? The visas also cost a lot of money. And if mm-hmm. you're lucky, if you're lucky, they, they might have come with the same team. Because if Maria Cecilia Roman brought her own team and you got Victoria Noelia Bustos with her own team, you got like 10 Argentinians right there. Nearly. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. all those fights and everything. So so I think that, that Eddie Hearn is doing a really good job. I just went on their website and just I just wanted to see 
at one when we started this show, David, we were we were fawn over Lou DiBella because of his stable of fighters because he was the promoter at that time who had the yeah. most the most female boxers under his banner than anybody else. And I don't think that Lou, I don't think Lou DiBella would have planned it like this, but he got into some beefs with Showtime and with this and with that and his TV dates were basically pulled from under him and that really took away a lot of the power that he had to sign female fighters. Mm-hmm. But here came Andy Hearn and he started signing female fighters. I mean, mm-hmm. he has... I'm going to just read it real quick and just let's count how many he has. He has Katie Taylor, Jessica McCaskill, Chantel Cameron, Alicia Baumgartner, Choi, Huming Choi, Ebony Bridges, Fra- Jamie Mitchell, Franchon Cruz Desern, Mayerlene Rivas, who we'll talk about. Mm-hmm. Oh, those are the ones that he features. So let's, now he has them in alphabetical order. <coughs> let's go with <clears throat> that was 10 that were featured in this little feature that he has on his website. That was just 10, but he has more than 10 because he yeah. has these up and coming. Oh, yeah. uh, he has these up and coming British girls that I haven't even had a chance to see them yet. Yeah, just yeah, had they're just coming at you like left and right or right and left. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about England because they're the opposite. So it's like Alicia Baumgartner. Yeah. We got Alicia Baumgartner. We got Chantel Cameron. We got uh, we got Ebony Bridges. We got Ellen, Ellen Cedarus, Ellie Scottney, Erica Cruz, Franchon Cruz Desern, Huming Choi, Jessica McCaskill, Katie Taylor, Maiva Hamadouche, Mayerlene Rivas, Ramla Ali, Sandy Ryan, Shannon Courtney, Sky Nicholson, Terry Harper. Oh my God, that's yeah. Okay. This is a good <laughs> seventeen. Army. Seventeen yeah. female box fighters. That's a, that's. I mean that's that's awesome for uh for Eddie Hearn. Stevie 17. Levy. Stevie Levy Who's is that? with him too. Stevie well, Levy. Put, okay, so that would be that would be eighteen because they haven't put it on their website yet. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Yeah, and I think that he might have a couple more that he hasn't put on the website that you know. Yeah, there's they're some like, more. Yeah, he might have like close to twenty, if not more. So that is yeah. uh, that is pretty pretty impressive by Mr. Eddie Hearn there. So uh, big kudos to him on that. Uh, going to. Anyway, any comments, Lupi, on the Santo Cameron uh, fight and the Ellie Scottney fight as far as back on May 21st? God, I, all I remember about uh, Chantel is that, um, what is her name? Victoria took a beating, but she's tough. She's never been dropped. She is a tough. And I and from Ellie, I just remember what a great fight, what a smart fight. I mean, Maria Roman is tough, but so is Ellie Scottney. Yeah, but I mean, if anything, Chantel Cameron has proven that, you know, fight by fight, she starts getting a little bit better and better 
where people are, are mm-hmm. I mean, not that it matters one way or the other, um, start calling, kind of telling that, that she deserves to be up higher on those pound-for-pound pound lists. So, and then that, that's neither here nor there. What, what we are wondering is what happened to that tournament where she and Kelly Reese were going to meet in the final and unify the division. Now, Kelly Reese, I haven't really, I mean, I know that something's going on, you know. She has some medical issues. But she hasn't, she hasn't, she hasn't disclosed what it is, correct? Well, she was on a live, and I guess it was like a personal live on Facebook. And I was traveling at the time, but my sister was on it, and she had said, yeah, she has some, some woman issues, you know, and she's just, uh. I, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I'm thinking, okay, that's what it is. I mean, she's just going through some stuff right now. Like legit health issues. So I guess that's on hold, right? Or not even probably for her on the cards right now, on the table right now. Yeah, I mean, I mean, quite honestly, I because that was supposed to be against Chantel, right? Yeah, that was the final. Okay, so that's why people, if you see on social media, people saying Chantel should be fighting Katie, maybe. Yeah, she's a super lightweight. And that's something that I saw. People are saying I saw something on, on on social media where now that I mean now that Amanda Serrano has come out publicly and her team saying that they are not well Eddie Hearn came out and 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 put it out there but they, it wasn't uh, discredited by Serrano and her team and obviously they already announced that Serrano is going to fight on August sixth in New York City uh, on the undercard a semi main event to Jake Paul and whoever he's fighting there's no opponent for Amanda Serrano yet. But they had mentioned that that she wasn't going to fight Katie Taylor in an immediate rematch, and that Katie Taylor was looking to do an immediate rematch or to her next fight to be done at, I guess it's called Cook Stadium or Cork Stadium. Is it Cook or Cork? Mm, there is both. <laughs> oh well, some big stadium in Ireland, you know, a country where she at has Cork. not fought as a pro, and um, and people were calling for her to fight Chantel Cameron, but. Why Why would you fight Chantel Cameron at 140 pounds when you're the undisputed 135-pounder and you're coming home yeah. and you're doing a homecoming fight? So why would you go in with a beast like Chantel Cameron at a higher weight than what you are, than what you're fight at? Now, granted, Katie Taylor is a, is a warrior. She proved it on April 30th, and we've seen her before that she doesn't, you know – duck anybody we saw her you know take that delphine pursue fight and then take the rematch when a lot of people saw her lose the first one and then maybe a lot of people saw her lose the second one but she took the rematch so i don't think that katie taylor would you know skirt at the at the chance of fighting chantel cameron at 140 pounds or at a catch weight between both but I mean, if I was her manager or her promoter, I'd be like, why would you do that? Especially in this in this homecoming fight. You know, we could find a, a really good, credible opponent that 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 it would be a good fight and you could beat. Not saying that she can't beat Chantel Cameron, but that's a tough, tough fight why for Katie it? Taylor. Yeah. I, why risk, I would say, why uh, risk it in that fight? What's that, David? I would say, why not fight uh, Jessica McCaskill, uh, Chantel? Uh, because Chelsea McCaskill came from 135, and now she's at 147. She should go up and fight McCaskill. 
Yeah, that would be a good fight. From from yeah, that would be a great fight. But from all, I mean, I'm surprised, and we could, and, we'll, and we could talk about it a little bit more. But I'm surprised that they actually made this fight against Alma Ibarra because Alma Ibarra, I think she has a she's a really good underdog in this fight. I think yeah, she has a shot. She is. And I'm thinking that Team McCaskill is risking what they've been calling for for a long time, which is that fight against Katie Taylor. You know, so. Mm-hmm. I think it's a risk against Alma Ibarra. Um, they're risking that big Katie Taylor rematch, which is, I mean, I don't know if they have talks with Eddie Hearn and they have like a deal. I mean, and I don't think a contract, but some kind of like, hey, if you guys beat Alma Ibarra and Katie Taylor does this fight with whoever in Ireland, then you guys can face each other next, right? I don't know if that deal is in place right now, right? Or at least yeah. top or at least that talk. Hmm. But if it is, you know, they're putting that, they're putting it in risk by fighting on my Ibarra. I don't think they would put it at another risk by fighting Chantel Cameron after that. So I think, I think, I think that if Kay Taylor is off the table with McCasco, then it's feasible. But I don't think with Taylor on the table, it's feasible to see McCasco against Chantel Cameron anytime soon. If it happens, I'll be surprised, but I'll be happily surprised because I want to see that fight. Yeah, and they do want the big fight. Team McCaskill wants the money fight. Is that a money fight? It is a money fight, but it's not as big as a Katie Taylor money fight. Mm -hmm. No. Mm -hmm. Well, we have um, on Saturday, May 28th, we saw the return of two-time world champion in Kenya, Enrique, scoring a ninth round TKO of a scheduled 10th over Gabriela Sanchez in a 10-rounder at 112 pounds. And this fight was a, um, a not a redo, but a postponed of what, the, what we were supposed to see in November of last year, where Kenny Enriquez was stripped of her interim WBC light flyweight title after not making the weight for the fight. There was some confusion as far as a contracted uh, at, a, at a catch weight for the day of the fight. And at the end, um, Gabriela Sanchez decided not to face Kenny Enriquez back then in November, and the fight was made for May 28th um, in Nayarit, Mexico. Kenny Enriquez scoring the ninth round TKO, a, a, a feat that nobody had done against Gabriela Sanchez, even though she had fought former world champions or champions uh, throughout the night. And just to let you know, how competitive Kenny Enriquez is and kind of lethal, but with a smile is, I don't know if you've got it on speaker, um, Lupi. No, I don't. Oh. No, it's my house. Uh, I'm under a yeah, thunderstorm. Oh, okay. Sorry, David. It's a so, lightning so, and thunderstorm. Uh, <laughs> oh, I don't wow. my house. So I'll tell you guys a brief story. So Gabriela Sanchez, after that fight came out, on social media and gave her version of why she didn't fight. And part of her version was that she mentioned that Kenya at the night of the fight had weighed uh, 60 kilograms, which is, I'll tell you how much it is in pounds. 60, about 132 pounds, which is not, it was not true. Um, She wasn't weighing 132 pounds the day of the fight. Kenya wasn't. Um, in November, the day of the fight in November. Um, so 
and so Kenya took offense to that um, for her to say that she had weight, that she was weighing so much the day of the of the of the of the fight in November. So when they face each other in May, and and Kenya stops her, you know she was gracious and you know thanked her for taking the opportunity and all that, and gave her a T-shirt with her logo on it and said, but then with the smile and her competitive nature, she mentioned to her, how does those 60 kilograms feel now? So she didn't, she, 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 she had to give her that little dig about what she had said on social, on social media. So I don't know what the, I don't think Gabriela responded to anything. She's pretty gracious and with the smile and there's really nothing she could have said after being, you know, stopped. So Lupi, you watched the fight. What did you see? Um, I, you know, that knockout was pretty incredible. I love the way that she just went for it. I mean, she gave her a couple of chin shots. I mean, she came back, but they stopped it. And she had that big smile on her face. But you know what? Yeah, she made a statement. She's back. And whether people want her to be back, she's back. And she's back on the radio. So, she's back. Well, yeah, she's ranked. uh, Let's look at the WBC. And and not because they, we're we're favoring the WBC, but they're the ones that kind of keep it the most updated compared to everybody else. And after being stripped at a light flyweight, she's at a she's the number one uh, ranked uh, flyweight with Ibet La Roca Zamora, the former champion at number two, Naoko Fuyoka, the former WBA champion at number three. Which is this is an older uh, uh, ranking because it's still showing Fuyoka as the WBA champ. We have Deborah Anaí Lopez at four, and Maria Salinas at number five, showing her as an NABF champion, which I don't believe she is anymore. David, your thoughts on the Kenyan Enrique's return? Uh, she looked uh, very strong. Um, she she seemed like her style changed a little bit. She's more uh, forward moving, uh, less. Uh, uh, in and out, less counter punches. She seemed more intent on knocking her out. It was not so much outscoring, but more about hurting her. And that's what I saw. I just saw her looking, seeking destroy. And uh, now, eventually she did. Now, you mentioned that you've seen a little bit of a different style, not so much, you know, in and out or moving backwards or counter punching, which you're correct. That has been her style for for you know the majority of her of her career and you've seen her career for a long time i mean i remember you driving down to san diego and seeing her fight here in san diego and everything you've seen her fight you think this style oh, yeah. that you saw from her in her last fight works better for her i think um the fact that she could fight different styles actually helps cuz you never know when you have to you're going to have to change tactics in the middle of a fight and it's always good to to be able to do that. I mean, that makes a fighter uh, well-rounded. You see, uh, your best fighters can do that. They can uh, seek and destroy. They can counterpunch. They can box and move. or they, they have a variety of ways to fight. And to me, that's the best way. It's better to to know all those different styles. Uh, it's, it's something that I see also in Michaela Mayer. She's able to fight inside now. And before, she was kind of lost. And that's the same thing with Kenya. She can fight inside too. She she's not lost inside. 
fact, you come inside, you're 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 going to be hit with that hook or uppercut. Well, there you go. Let's see what happens next for Kenya. And actually, I would like to see what happens next for Gabriela Sanchez because she is a pretty good fighter. She's very tough. Um, she's very resilient. She in her the thirteen fights she's fought. I mean, like seven either former world champions or current world champions or world title challengers. And out of 13 fights, she's fought seven of those, you know, outside of the country um, and everything. So, you know, I would like to see what's next for her. As well. Monday, May 30th, we have a little bit of a, another upset when Tamao Ozawa scored a split decision uh, over Miyo Yoshida. He takes a WBO 115-pound title, scores there with 97-93 two times for Ozawa and a 96-94 for Yoshida. David uh, Miyoko, our correspondent for theprizefighters.com, she covers Japanese uh, boxing, but obviously female boxing. What did she tell us about this fight? Um, well, Mio started a little slow, which is kind of her style, and the other girl started very quick and uh, kept it up. Uh, so uh, Mio did better in the second half, but it was too late. And um, she also said that she's seen Mio better. She seemed kind of flat uh, in this hmm. fight. And actually, Mio's uh, coming to the U.S. next uh, couple of weeks to spend about a month training with the girls here. Oh, okay. So I was gonna say that this was—I thought this was a rematch, but it actually wasn't. It's a—it was. She had a two fights with Tomoko Okuda, who had yeah. taken the world title from her, the WBO uh, Super Flyweight title. And then she rematched her and beat her for the to win her title back. And then her first defense since then loses it against Tamao Ozawa. So who is Tamao Ozawa? She's 37 years old, 17 and five, yeah. with six knockouts. She's been stopped twice, and her losses huh. have come to Tomoko Kawanishi. To Kai Johnson uh, back in 2014, to Mariana Juarez in 2016, to Su Young Hung um, in 2017, to Raja Amache in Germany in 2018, and then she was on a three-win uh, three streak before facing Miyo Yoshida and taking that title. So and she had a baby. A year ago. Yoshida or Tamao Ozawa? Tamao Ozawa had a baby um, in June 2021. And wow. she took me, Mia's belt from the first title defense all in a year. That's amazing. Wow. Is there is there any talk of a rematch, David, or is it out of the question? Uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I, I did talk to Mio a little bit, and um, I know that She's like all the Japanese fighters, including the new champion. They want to fight in the U.S. Uh-huh. They they um, they really do want to be over here and fight. Uh, they like the attention that girls get here, and even though they're getting fights there, they they're they feel that they're fighting like in the vacuum. Mm, and they that want is only seen in see Japan. Fight. But they're all no. gung ho, just like the Mexican girls. They're very gung ho. Yeah. Now, is there any indication that she's going to stay at 115 or she wants to move up to 118? No, 115. 
She's going to stay at 115. Well, I mean, there's some fights there. Just to let you guys know, at, uh, at 115, the WBA world champion Maribel Ramirez, who is going to be fighting um, this weekend, I believe, and we'll go into that in our in, – in our, uh, yeah, she's actually fighting uh, this weekend, and we'll talk about that in our upcoming calendar. And then the WBC champion is Lourdes La Pequeña Lulu Juarez, with the interim champion, Sonia Osorio, who we'll talk about in a couple minutes as well. The IBF champion is Mikaela Lujan. And then the WBO champion is Tamao Ozawa. So if Yamiya Yoshida wanted to go after another belt, um, she could do so. I mean, there's the names. And if we go to the WBC ratings for Super Flyweight, I mean, she was ranked before her loss at number 10. So she's kind of down there and she's going to drop even more. So after her loss, um, but she, you know, she, that could be a good fight for uh pequeña Lulu who um, fought the next on Saturday, June 4th from Zacatecas, Mexico. She scored a unanimous decision over Deborah Vanessa Gomez of Argentina in a 10 rounder at 115 pounds, defending her WBC world title. Uh, Scores there were 98, 92, two times, and 96, 94. In Germany, the same case. What's that? Well, Lulu is very impressive. Every time I see her, I'm always amazed yeah. at her timing and, and just speed. I think that she's a really good example of somebody learning her job, um, learning on the job. Because yeah, when exactly. I first met her, I met her when she had like t- less than 10 fights. And mm-hmm. I asked her her record, and she didn't even want to tell me because she had lost um, in those 10 fights. Like, her loss, I mean, I think she even had, like, yeah, I mean, I think I met her when she had, when she was, like, let's see, three, she might have been, like, like five and two or something when I met her. Yeah. Um, and And she was kind of even embarrassed, but... Those are the only two losses that she suffered, which were back-to-back in 2014 to Yasmin Ortega, who stopped her in two rounds of a Schedule 4, and then she lost a split decision to Brisa Hernandez in her next fight two months later in a four-rounder as well. And after that, she has not tasted defeat. There's only a no contest against Yesenia Gomez in 2016. Um, And other than that, it's been win after win after win, including a win over Gabriel, um, Guadalupe Martinez for that WBC world title back in um, December 2020, and now she has defended it three times. So <clears throat> she mentioned that she wants to unify, so we'll see what's next for Ludes Juárez. The same night in Tlatepantla, Mexico, Jackie Calvo scored a unanimous decision over Maria Salinas in a 10-rounder to capture the vacant WBC silver Flyweight title scores there were 97-93 and 96-93 two times. And Emma Cozen comes back from her only loss to Clarissa Shields to score a seventh-round TKO over Silvia Sabados at 154 pounds in Germany. On Friday, June 10th, um, from Mexico, Mayelin Rivas scored a third-round uh, knockout over late sub Karina Fernandez in a 10-rounder to defend her WBA 122-pound title. She looked like a beast on the zone on Friday night. That was a Friday night, Friday, June the 10th. Did you get a chance to see that fight, Lupi? No, which one? Which one? Are you the Mayelin, 
the Marilyn Rivas against Karina Fernandez fight? No, I didn't. Is that on the zone? Yeah, it was on the zone. And the the biggest thing that is the takeaway, because I mean, yeah, the big Karina Fernandez is the older sister of of Diana La Bonita Fernandez. La Bonita. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and she wasn't ready. She wasn't ready for this type of matchup, but it was a late sub. She went in. She's a she's she's a trooper, and she went in there and got and she fought, but she was completely overwhelmed. But the biggest takeaway from there is the way that Rivas like literally smashed her nose in. Like like I think she yeah. had to have like some kind of like reconstructive surgery on her nose because it was smashed wow. in. Like if you guys get a chance oh, wow. to watch that fight, watch it so you can see the way that her nose was like uh, smashed oh. in. And they had to fix it. So, uh, is which is fixed. I fixed. They fixed it. I follow her on social media, and she still has the tape on there and stuff. But they they were able to fix it. But it was pretty. It was pretty pretty bad. On Saturday, June 11th in France, Victory Pital scored a actually lost a majority decision to Mexican Magali mm-hmm. Rodriguez for the vacant WBC silver 140 pound title. Scores there were 97-93, 96-94, and then even 95-95. And from Anaheim, California, on the zone, a fight that was basically made in about six days, Yocasta Valle scored a unanimous decision over Lorraine Villalobos in a 10-rounder to defend her 105-pound IBF title. Scores there were 193 times. And with that fight, it was announced that Yocasta Valle signed a four-fight deal was that the first fight of the four, or was the four starts after that, David? No, it's just that was one of the fights. Okay. And, you know, mm, Lupe, you were there. That's the fight that we were all there. David was actually working. We were having fun in the stands. Um, <laughs> what uh, what did you see in that fight? Oh, actually, you got there no, a little bit late. Did I you get a chance late. to watch the fight? I came late. Didn't end up watching the fight because I was visiting over there. But talked to Lorraine afterwards. Just a little beat up. Yeah. Tough girl. David, what, Tough girl. what did you see in that fight? Oh, uh, that was my first, you know, I've known your casa for a long time. Um, maybe, uh, yeah, what's it going on? Six years? But, and I'd seen her fight and videos and stuff against everybody. She fought Naoko Fujioka and lost. And, you know, I've seen her develop her style. And, uh, but to see her in person, she's a lot faster. You know, it's one of those, those uh, instances where you see somebody, but not until you see them in person, you realize what they really have. And she's very fast. She doesn't have a lot of power, but is very fast. And uh, has pretty good stamina for a six-day, you know, arrangement. And the same with Lorraine. She only had six days, and they both came in shape. They lasted yeah. well, ten rounds, and that that was impressive. I think that that I mean they were I mean I mean I don't know how much Villalobos trains, but I I mean we follow Yocasta Valle, and she had been training in the United States for a while. It looks like she has made a change in her team, and she has been training in the United States, and she had been training. So I don't know if this had been in the works for a while, and they were finally able to make it. Um, uh before like six days before the the fight card which was uh was headlined by Jaime Munguia and the knockout over what was the guy's name Kelly um yeah, yeah. that was a good Jimmy. fight Jimmy Kilrain yeah. Kelly yeah so but to see I've been training um 
she had been training here in the United States, and I, I mean, I didn't know her personally for a few years, but I've seen her fight. Are you have it on speaker, Lupi? Yeah, I do. There you okay. go. Thank you. Um, but I've seen the videos and things like that, and you know, I agree with David. She's faster than what than we can see on videos. She's somewhat fundamentally sound. You know, she's a good fighter. She's a good technical fighter. Um, and I want to give her the benefit of the doubt because I know transitioning from one team to another team is not easy. So, you know, trying to you get on the same page as a new trainer and all that it is takes some time. But I felt that it was kind of like, like Villalobos wasn't going to do anything more than she already had shown in maybe in the three, four rounds. I mean, maybe in the fifth or sixth round, she kind of started throwing some overhand rights that got in. But obviously it didn't bother Valle as far as the power. So I didn't see like, let's, you're a world champion. You're in your debut in the United States. Let's see that extra gear. Let's see at least, you know, I mean, did I see her try to go for a knockout? It spurt, but I don't think it was consistent enough. And and for me, her 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 punch selection, her her combinations, there were two. It was the same thing over and over and over for for ten rounds, you know. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I I rather give her the benefit of the doubt than really pin that on her because you know she is transitioning from one team to another. Um, so I I mean obviously we're gonna see her again. Um, on the zone and on their Golden Boy uh, fight card, so I'm looking forward to that. Against who? I mean, yeah. now one thing has... I did. Uh, did I do? Oh, sorry. Oh, one no, thing I did see is that uh, she stopped holding because in that fight before this mm. last one, when she fought the Japanese girls, she held for like eight out of ten rounds, and it was horrible mm. because it just makes an ugly fight. Uh, if there's no fight. She was just holding for one minute out of the two-minute round, and it was horrible. But this time, she did it just a little bit of the first two rounds, and then she stopped. And I, I, I saw that. I noticed that she was she she made a a, a mental uh, note of not holding, and to keep the action going, which is good. You know, you're a fighter. You're not there to clinch. She's not a wrestler, and uh, it's okay in MMA, but you can't do that in boxing. It just makes everything seem messy when you're holding. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just, it's just it's not and it's not entertaining at all. You know, like no. like you start getting some sustained action, and then here comes the hold. You know, so it's not mm-hmm. it's not a uh, it's not entertaining. But to who she can fight? I mean, she's under the same banner as Inez Estrada, who we will talk about in a little bit. And. You know, with the backing of the zone and with the backing of Golden Boy, there are certain things that can be done. I believe that they were going to try. To, I mean, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but were they going to try to make that fight against the Vietnamese girl, Nguyen Thi Thu Nhi, against uh, I think they're going and, after, that's a possibility, but I think uh, the first one she wants is Tina Luprecht. Uh, that's the first fight she wants. But was she was it was they trying to make that fight for this card that where she fought via Lobos but they couldn't get uh, the Vietnamese girl uh, a visa? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay, I thought I seen I that. But I don't think they tried this one. 
Okay. Well, I mean, if they go after Tina Rupert for Yocasta Valle and for one way they could get uh, the Vietnamese girl for Sinesta Estrada, even though that would be a, a horrible mismatch with Sinesta Estrada with 22 wins, zero losses, uh, nine knockouts, whereas the Vietnamese girl has five wins, zero losses, one KO. Not that it would be that any girl... better against, against Valle because she's 24 and two, David. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that Vietnamese girl could take a punch because. Itsuko Tada could hit, and Tada smacked her around that whole fight. I don't know how they get, <laughs> the judges gave that fight to the Vietnamese girl. Tada was smacking her around with some big shots. And Tada, if you remember, had the knockout of the year last year, or the year oh, before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she has power. But the, the Vietnamese girl could take that. She could take a shot. Well... Um, I mean, it's, it's starting to get a little exciting there at 105 pounds, and that's kind of hard to believe because ne- never has that division, even the male or female, have been exciting. I mean, I mean, we've had some great fighters. I mean, obviously, the great Ricardo Finito Lopez at 105 pounds and, and others like Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez Chocolate ran through there. Yeah, but, yep. but they, never had, they never had that other dancing partner. And here there's four, I mean, I may, I may, at least three that that can make for good fights. I don't know if exciting fights, but good fights between, and they're all, well, not, Yocasta has two losses, but three out of the four champions are undefeated. And, you know, I think three out of the four fight, uh, champions we can make good fights with, Rupert, Valle, and Estrada. So let's see if Golden Boy puts some fights there um, and make it uh, exciting. Um, I, I was a... Uh... Uh, talking to uh, one of the uh, uh, managers in Japan, and he was telling me that Naoko Fujioka could make 105. I was like, really? Wow. <laughs> I had no idea. And he said, also, Tsunami makes 105 easy. I was like, those Japanese wow. girls have a different diet, so they can make those smaller weights. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow, that's pretty incredible. But, I mean, but there's, if, there's if, even more out there. If Fuyoka would get down to 105, you know, Hirishi would do it with her diet. But what what would be the real interesting thing is what she's going to bounce up to. Because you could get down there, but then when you start rehydrating and eating, you're going to you're going to you're going to jump, you know? Mm-hmm. And and especially now and especially that she's older as well. I mean, she could really go in there and be like really, really the bigger woman if she makes that 105 pounds. I was told that she ate three times a day on the day of her fight uh, with Marlon. It's, that's why they, had, they were saying that she could make 105 because wow. 112 is nothing. She she didn't have to sacrifice or you know sweat it out or nothing. And she looked very strong at 112 uh, uh, in that fight. I mean, she didn't look like she was overweight at all or anything. No, that's amazing. They, I think it's their diet. They have that yeah. uh, rice and fish diet, and it's, you know, very clean. And especially down there. Friday, June 17th, this last Friday from Mexico, Julian Lunas defending her WBC 122-pound title with, uh, against the interim champion, Jessica Gonzalez, with the unanimous decision. But there is some controversy with this fight 
David and Lupi, I don't know if you guys have been following the news, but the referee has been suspended by the WBC for six months, oh. or I think either three or six months, he's been suspended um, and and needs to go through recertification because of the amount of rabbit punching that he allowed by Luna over Jessica Gonzalez. And I've seen reports by some very <clears throat> prominent journalists in Mexico that are kind of saying that maybe this guy was, that it was, I mean, this guy is not some guy on Facebook saying, Hey, I think that the ref was in the take Luna knew. And that's why Luna went and hit her in the, in the, in the back of the head, the rabbit punch, because, um, because she knew she wasn't going to get in trouble. This is what the journalist is saying, you know, a, 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 a major, a major Mexican sports, publication you know so there has been a suspension uh by uh of the referee and luna um retains her title she's not you know she's she has not been admonished or uh, or uh penalized by the wbc at all jessica gonzalez i saw something but you know what i didn't pay much attention but she she had a broken nose um, she was uh, complaining of other uh, fouls and things like that. So I don't know if she's going to make an appeal um, with the with the WBC. She was the interim world champion who, with the title she had won, I think, in her last fight yeah, abroad. Let me let me just uh, confirm that. But I do remember it was abroad, and but I, don't, I just want to see. Didn't if Mariana accuse her of that too? Well, no, Mariana accused her, and uh, Mariana was off the. She was off. Mariana was just surprised that she got beaten so bad. Um, um, Mariana, <laughs> Mariana, she, no, she, she accused her of having loaded gloves and they checked the gloves right there on the ring. Like, That's they, right. Like, and then they took the gloves off and they checked them right there in the ring and they realized that they were the same gloves that they always had and there was nothing wrong with the gloves or anything like that. But Jessica uh, Gonzalez had captured that interim title in her last fight with the split decision in Russia over Tatiana Sarsacheskaya. And then she went and lost the unanimous decision to Julian Luna Avila, which makes Luna the full-fledged only current WBC super bantamweight champion. So we'll follow the story, see if anything else pops up. And on Saturday, June 18th from Argentina, Gabriela Celeste Alani scored a seventh round TKO over Tamara Elizabeth DeMarco to capture the WBO 112-pound title. DeMarco was down twice in the first round, and the corner threw in the towel in the seventh. One thing that Alanis has is a very, very powerful right hand. So I think that is her main weapon. I think that she is very Mm -hmm. aggressive. She comes forward. She's somewhat fundamentally sound. So I think she's a new player in uh in the flyweight division undefeated 13 and 0 with five knockouts but the but the thing is is when do we get to see these argentinians outside of argentina you know right now out of i don't know how many world champions there is i mean they don't get that big uh jessica mccasco kelly reese Katie Taylor. I mean, Erika Faria is going to fight at 140 pounds. The rematch has been made with Sandy Ryan. Um, but other than that, we get down well, to... Well, you're saying the little girls, right? Because the big girls are coming up. 
Yeah, the big girls come, come out. You're right. England. You are right about that, David, because we get down to, well, let's see. Okay, here we go. At Super Flyweight, the IBF champion is an Argentinian by the name of Micaela Luján. Okay, mm-hmm. and the WBA champion is an Argentinian by the name of Maribel Ramírez. And then at Flyweight, the IBF champion is Leonela Paola Judica, 17-0, three wins, one no contest, no knockouts. I mean, when is the, when's the last time she fought? We'll check that. And then the new WBO champion is Gabriela Celeste Alaniz. At light flyweight, we have Evelyn Bermudez as the IBF and WBO. And then um, pa, 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 I think that's it as far as the Argentinians. And the last time that Yudika fought, let me check that real quick. She was supposed to fight here in the Golden Boy show. Oh, she was going to fight. Uh, who was she going to fight? Who? She was going to fight. She was, was going to fight uh, Arely Mustino. Yeah. And yeah. she got uh, sick. Or she got hurt or sick, one or the other. Well, check this out. She was going to fight. Last time she fought. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is who. She's the what champion? The IBF. See, that's a. I'm going to go on. I feel a rant coming on because this is what happens when <laughs> when when the organization, when the, when the IBF and. <laughs> They only care about the sanctioning fee, but they don't care to 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 nurture the the belt and the organization and the female fights because they don't care about the title. I mean, here we have a young woman who captured the world title, the flyweight title back in international, international, international. Okay, she captured it back in 2014. Okay, against Gabriela Bouvier. So she captured it in 2014 late, and she defended it two times in 15, perfect, Vanessa Lorena Taborda and Teresa Douglas. Then she defended it one time in 2016 against Soledad del Valle Frias, another Argentinian. Then she defended it twice in 17 against uh, Carolina Alvarez. I think she's from Chile, if not Argentinian, and, and, then, uh, uh, and then Junoka Furukawa, who is uh, Japanese. And then she defended it three times in 2018. No, she only defended it twice in 2018, but she fought three times. Then she had in 2019, she had a no contest against Isabel Millan, and then she last fought in 2021 um, uh, against Isabel Millan, who was scoring a United decision. I mean, you can't blame her for not fighting in 2020 because of COVID, but, yeah. I mean, she's basically holding that title hostage right now um, until she fights. And and, there, and the IBF, where's the IBF in this? I mean, where's the IBF? Where's the mandatory defense? Where's the, where's the mandatory uh, challenge or anything like that? So They just had their convention in L.A. last month. And, I mean, I don't, I didn't go. I'm sure you didn't go. Did they have, did they even touch the, the subject of female violence? I didn't hear violence? about it. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of notice on it. I, I put it on my uh, publication, but uh, uh, I couldn't make it. Well, I mean, that was the fight review. Now, to talk a little bit about fight chatter, there's a rumor. I mean, the fights that are coming up, uh, there's, you know, Siniestra Estrada, there's a rumor. She's, I mean, not the rumor. She's fighting on August 6th. It's not official her opponent is, but they're saying that it's Annabelle, uh, former champion, Anabella Avispa Ortiz in a rematch, in a rematch that nobody's calling for because she beat her from pillar to post 
so there's no reason <laughs> to see the rematch. But that's what they're giving us on the August 6th from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we have uh, Amanda Serrano fighting the same night um, from the uh, Madison Square Garden. Exactly. Um, what is the fight that I just sent to you guys that is the same night? Oh, Sulemo will be fighting at the Commerce oh, yeah. Casino. Now, I don't think that fight will take place on the 6th, though. Do you think the fight card's going to be moved? They're going to move it to the 13th, probably. Now, is Sulem, is Sulem still with Golden Boy? I guess not. I'm thinking no. That was kind of obvious on the last poster. And the well, last no, one. Yeah, but the thing is, like, I mean, it doesn't seem like she is because why would she be looking to get a fight on another card unless Golden Boy told her, hey, I don't have anything for you right now, so go out and look for your thing. And But they don't, promoters don't tend to do that. They'll find you a fight if you're still with them, even if you're coming off a couple of losses, if you're still with them. So I haven't seen anything from anybody. So I think that is up in the air. Um, but one thing that I saw interesting actually if not today was yesterday is that I saw a rumor that they're looking at a Terry Harper against Hannah Rankin fight. Mm-hmm. Oh. Why Hannah why would really you why would you even do that? That's really heavy. Yeah, like she just I mean she I mean no disrespect to, to Terry Harper but she got like she was literally standing up sleeping by that right hand by Alicia Baumgartner, and then she's fought 135 pounds once, because I was at 130, and now you're gonna have to go. You're not gonna make. You're gonna make her go up to 154. Now she is That'll a tall woman. She's a tall woman, you know, and I think that she can carry the weight if she's. But if who's it's saying this? Properly. What's that? Who's saying this? Because people say a lot of rumors. No, there's, you know? it's been. It's you know. It's. it's it's not match room. No, but so it's just BS. And I don't well, go by websites and and, and No, but I think even Hannah stuff. said something. Hannah yeah, even I mean, said it's something. It's kind of like it's it's yeah because I mean it's, it's, it's just, just like words. A, it's like it's like Ter- Terrence Crawford calling out uh, Canelo. They're just words. You can't give them credence. Yeah, but but I mean, this one looks like it had a little bit of traction, but it just didn't make sense. But that's why I mentioned it just to see if 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 it has more traction than what I was seeing. Um, but let's see another fight that supposedly is, is official: Clarissa Shields, um, Savannah Marshall, uh, is set for September 10th at the O2 Arena in London. A source that hasn't been announced yet, has it? ESPN Ringside is posting it, and uh, Clarissa They're Shields not, retweeted uh... it. But that's not the promoter. Yeah, but that a source told Mike Runstein and Clarissa quote uh, Shields well, retweeted it. So did he did he quote the promoter? I'm I'm not gonna read the story here, but uh no, but but I, but mean, I mean with saying with that, her, I just don't trust things without a promoter yeah. saying it's happening because it's just hearsay. You know, but the fact that that Shields is retweeting it might have a little bit of a of a. Oh, that's true. If she's doing it, okay. If she's retweeting it, might have a little bit of a of a traction. Oh, there. Any yeah. any other yeah. any other fight chatter or fights that 
Marisela Carnejo is not fighting June 24th as as it was expected. I think was she was going to fight locally here in Los Angeles. It seems like uh, she pulled out of the fight. An opponent was never announced, so I don't know if that had something to do with it. Anything else? Uh, Jamie no, I haven't Clamp heard anything. Jamie Clamp is fighting. Who? Jamie Clampett? Mm. The, 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 I know. She's a veteran. I mean, she's 23 and 5. She's been back out again. She's fighting a 5 and 1. She's older. Mm, let me see. Oh. It's back east, right? The Hurricane, 23 and yeah. 5 with two yeah. draws, seven knockouts. She's only been stopped once, 45 years old, originally from Canada, now living in Rhode Island. She's fighting uh, this Friday, Miranda Reyes in Rhode Island in a scheduled eight rounder. Uh, she had fought back. She fought back in February, June. Well, this is her. This is going to be her third fight since coming back in 2021. She had not fought since 2013. She has two yeah. how many losses? Five losses. Her last loss came in 2010 to Holly Holm in a first round TKO. She had also lost to Melissa Florentino, Jane Couch, Elizabeth Mueller. And Elizabeth Mueller, she is a veteran. She went pro in January of 2000. So she's going to be looking at some action uh, this Friday in uh, what weight class? Uh, Last time she fought, she fought 133. So she's between 130, 135. She's going to be fighting that. So, well, let's see if, I mean, I don't know how much, I don't know. I mean, I I don't want to say anything, but I mean, I know that I know that a lot of fighters are starting to see this wave of female fights coming back and bigger purses and things like that. But how much how much can you do when you're 45 years old to try to get a big big fight where you're gonna make real reasonable money? Unless you've been active like Naoko Fuyoka, you know, having mm-hmm. three fights, Very three hard, fights, yeah. you know. So yeah. I mean, I mean, I, all power to her, and I applaud her, and and, and hopefully. She does get there, and maybe that's not her. Maybe that's not her uh, her end game. Maybe she just wants to get back in there and fight, and she's not really thinking about the money. But I don't know if, if these promoters that now are trying to put on very competitive fights on TV can 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 go to this kind of opponent unless they beat some credible fighters. And since she has come back, um, she fought Olivia Gerula. It was 18 and 19, 18. At the time that they fought, she had 18 wins, 19 losses, and two draws, and they fought to a six-run draw. And then she beat a 4-1 and one and two girl uh, with a unanimous decision, and now she's going to be fighting a 5-1 one and one girl in an eight-rounder, you know. So I don't know. Those are the kind of opponents that... 25 you, years younger than her. Yeah. Hey. Well, I don't know. Those are the kind of opponents that they're going to let you... Um, Get in there with like a Katie Taylor, 135 pounds, you know? Yeah, and then, I mean, and I like Jamie, but it, to me, it seems like it just takes away from some of the younger fighters that could be getting in and fighting this Miranda Reyes who's 20, you know? Five and one. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I mean, everybody has the right, you know. So, but she's fought yeah. the names. Mm-hmm. She fought Belinda Laranquente, Jane Couch, Mia St. John, Elisa Olsen. Yeah. She fought to a draw. Who was the last time Jane Couch fought? 
uh, last time Jane Couch fought uh, was he's a legend. <laughs> but she was a long time ago. Two thousand seven. Jeez. <laughs> yep. So there you go. So let's just move on. Jamie Clampett looks fabulous. What's that? She's in Jamie Clampett is in amazing shape. You saw her, um, David, at the Hall of Fame. She's in yeah. incredible yeah. shape. Yeah. So moving on to the upcoming calendar. As we spoke, Friday, June 24th, from Buenos Aires, Argentina, Maribel Ramirez will defend her 115-pound title, uh, WBA title, against Clara Lescura in a 10-rounder. And on Saturday, June 25th, very excited for this fight. I think this is going to be a very competitive fight. I think it has a, a real good mesh of styles. From San Antonio, Texas, on the zone, Jessica McCaskill will look to defend her WBC, WBA, IBF, and WBO world titles against number one oh, challenger yeah. Alma Ibarra in a 10-rounder at 147 pounds. Alma Ibarra is a Mexican Olympic team member or former amateur Olympic team member. Uh, tall, <laughs> long, strong, smart. I've seen her fight live a couple of times, and she she's impressed me every time. She's technical. Uh, she's long. She knows how to fight. Uh, uh, you know, using her distance and her long jab. She's 34 years old from Monterrey, Nuevo Lomp, but she was She's been training in Vegas for this fight. Um, so, Who's trainer? Uh, I believe she has a trainer from, I, I don't know, I, I met the, guy, the gentleman, I don't remember his name, but they're training at a gym in Vegas. But the, he, he's training her. Oh, okay. And her only loss came in November of 2019 in a unanimous decision loss to Raquel Miller for the interim WBA Super Welterweight title. Um, so Raquel Miller, you know, undefeated, you know, not, you know, your run-of-the-mill fighter lose to, also a very decorated amateur with amateur experience. So um, she has wins over Maricela Cornejo. She has wins over Candy Wyatt. So um, that's going to be a great, great fight. Um, mm-hmm. Any, any Capitillo boxing? Yeah, oh, she, she trains at that gym. No, mm-hmm. I, I think she just trains at that gym, but I don't think she's being trained by Capitillo. I mean, Capitillo helps, and he works. He works part of the. Um, he works as part of the, of the of the corner, but I think that he's not the trainer. Trainer. Okay. Yeah. Any thoughts on the fight, Lupi? No, I think it's everything you said. I think it's going to be a great fight. Um, I don't think think people are so excited about it. I don't see, but I think they're going to be pleasantly surprised. I can't wait to see how how, how Alma uh, puts up against Jessica's, you know, brawling style. We'll see. I'm I'm excited about it. Yeah, I want to see if Jessica. I, I mean, that's that's a, that's the question. Can Alma Ibarra control Jessica McCaskill's? aggressive style from the outside and or is McCaskill going to be able to get on the inside and do what she needs to do because I don't think that her best bet is to try to box from the outside because she's she's uh I believe shorter and not as long so that's going to be the question here and that's what we're going to try to see Jessica she was Shorter? able to I believe so oh, yeah. Barra, I'm about to call. yeah I'm oh, about to call. yeah 
you know, and um, um, and you know, McCaskill was able to do it against Cecilia Breakus twice, but I don't think Breakus is as tall as Alma Ibarra, so and I don't think she's as oh. strong. Alma Ibarra looks pretty strong, so we'll see. We'll see what happens on Saturday night. I'm pretty excited for this fight, David. Yeah. Any any thoughts? It's gonna be a heck of a fight, uh, and also a really good card. That that card is loaded. Yeah. With, uh, some really competitive fights. They're saying it's that really that's the best. A lot of people are saying that that's the best card the zone has put on in the United States. Uh, you oh. know, they might be right. That was a really yeah. good card. From top to bottom, it's a pretty pretty good card so try to tune in saturday night on the zone from san antonio texas and with that said from miss lupi gutierrez in in the bay area of northern california from the inland empire in southern california mr david avila and myself from tijuana mexico felipe leon this is a two-minute round we bid you good night good night, good night.